Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know the way where where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realise that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us? And not to the world. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give 
you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Morning. 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 Okay, let's just check this work. Right. Does anybody recognise this quote? Some things that should have been forgotten were lost. History became legend and legend became myth. Go on. Lord of the Rings. Yeah? And so you don't need the, the little help here, and for two and a half thousand years the ring passed out of all knowledge. Okay, Robert. So did, did, did someone say Lord of the Rings? Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, is it Fellowship of the Ring? Which, which, which of the three books of Lord of the Rings is it? Yeah, somebody said Fellowship of the Ring? Yeah, okay. In the film version, it starts. Aha, by... By J.R.R. Tolkien. Well, now, okay, I accept that I could be wrong here, but actually, it isn't. Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens, who were the scriptwriters for the Lord of the Rings books. Uh, now, uh, it, it is all over the internet, attributed to J.R.R. Tolkien, it is attributed to a speech by Galadriel, and it isn't there. As far as I can see, I searched right the way through the whole of the Fellowship of the Ring, which is where it says it comes from, which is no mean feat, uh, as those of you who've read it will know. It isn't there. So we think we know something, and sometimes we don't. Magna Carta. Magna Carta was called great because of its great importance and the weightiness of the matter contained in it. Is that right? That's certainly what a 17th century lawyer said. It's not true. It was called great, or big, because it was on a bigger piece of parchment than another thing that was done at the same time. Right? It was the one on the big piece of paper. Think you know things. It says, no man of whatever estate or condition, well, I've put the answer up, that was unfortunate, or condition, he may be, shall be dispossessed, imprisoned, or put to death except by due process of law. It says that in the 1354 rewrite, but it doesn't say that in the 1216 original, or in any of the reissued versions of Magna Carta from 1217, 1225, or 1297, where it was re-signed up to. And what he did say in the original, it said, no free man may be dispossessed in prison or put to death except by due process of law. And free man has a very specific meaning. And it applied only to 12% of the UK male population at that time. 
no rights for women in Magna Carta, no rights for most of the population whatsoever because serfs and villains and so on uh, are, are not of no consequence to a deal between the king and his barons. Who cares what happens to them? And bear in mind that in these times, due process of law meant that somebody gave you a red-hot piece of metal to hold in your hands, and if you dropped it, you were guilty, and if you held on to it, you were innocent. Or they weighted you, put you in a pond, and if you floated, you were uh, you were innocent, and if you drowned, you uh, sorry, if you floated, you were you were guilty, and if you drowned, you were innocent. Life then was not as we know it now. Yeah? And, and a jolly good thing it's changed. But the other side of that is sometimes we know more than we realise. So, um, Greek. Anybody know what symphony means? What's symphony? What is a symphony? It's a piece of music. Is it played by one instrument or a lot of instruments? Sound a lot of instruments sound together. You know some Greek. Because it's a Greek word. Phony, phon, sound, sim, together. Politics. Of the city. See? Greek scholar in the audience there. Well, well done, Becky. Charismatic. Basically means charis is a gift. So, somebody who's charismatic is gifted. You're doing well. Ecclesia. Yeah. Those who are called together or called out. Ek, out. So, you might even know some Hebrew. Anybody know what Cohen means? Priest. Thank you, John. I knew you'd know because you gave me your New Testament for Hebrew readers, yeah, Jewish New Testament, where it's got all these words transliterated back into. So Cohen, and Cohen's a very Jewish name, isn't it? It means priest. And so therefore people who have Cohen as the surname uh, are, or think they are, uh, descended from the high priest. Shalom. Peace. See? Now Now some of you will know that one. Come on, somebody knows that. Righteousness, thank you, yes. Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. Messiah, anointed, right, see, so you know some Hebrew as well. So, this morning, I'm going to give you one new Hebrew word, and here it is. Oh, okay, so... Do you know, I've already forgotten... (laughs) I listened over and over again, pressing the button. Say it to me. Say it to me. And basically, it, it, it's something like halakha. Halakha. Um, <clears throat> you know when you've got Hebrew right, if you've cleared your throat partway through the word, really. It's true of all Middle Eastern languages. Halakha. Right, okay. Or, depending how... Halakha, 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 or haloko. Depending, um, because... People transliterated in different ways. The one on the right is from the Sephardic um, uh, origins. I've got your attention. Have I? Have I got your attention? Because now you all want to know what it means, don't you? And I will bet 
that John maybe knows what it means because his kids went to a Jewish school. Halakha? No? No? Okay. All right, sorry to put you on the spot. All right. So let's explore the idea. Let's go have a look in Psalm 15 then. And we're going to see what it means. And then we're going to see why it's important to us. Or why, why it at least gives us... Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous and speaks the truth from his heart. He whose walk is blameless. His walk is his halakha. Or um, let's have a look at 2 Samuel chapter 12. Samuel said to all Israel, I've listened to everything you've said to me and have set a king over you. Now, you have a king as your leader. As for me, I'm old and grey and my sons are here with you. I've been uh, your leader from my youth until this day. And the word um, leader there, you have a king as your leader. You have, uh, uh, and I have been your leader from my youth until this day, basically means someone that you follow. What? I mean, First Samuel. Sorry. Uh, no, I think I did mean Second Samuel, but it's 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 an interesting fact that I found something that was very similar. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did mean First Samuel. Uh, no, 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 I didn't mean Second Samuel. So Second Samuel. This is uh, Nathan rebuking David. The Lord sent uh, Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, "There were two men in a certain town: one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he'd bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Um, and here is." Uh, Uh, Verse 4, now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep. uh, And he went to prepare a meal for the traveller. And the traveller there is from the same word, halakar. So it's somebody who's walking along the way and comes to him. Um, We'll just take one of these. Take Deuteronomy chapter 5. So Moses has reiterated the, um, the Ten Commandments. He's talked about uh, their, the history of how they received them. And he says, verse 32 of Deuteronomy 5, So be careful to do what the Lord your God's commanded you. Don't turn aside to the right or the left. Walk in all the way that your, the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. The way, walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, and turn neither to the right or the left. Handy we've got the signpost, Simon. All right, okay. So that's, that's what it, it, it is. It is about the way in which we do the things that God has asked us to do. And you could look through the others... Uh, you could look at Psalm 81 or Psalm 143, uh, and you'd get the same uh, idea. Um, 
But let's, let's just look at a practical example. Um, Isaiah chapter 2. This is what Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He'll judge between the nations, settle disputes for many peoples. They'll beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. See, the word again, several times in that, people wanting to walk in God's way... And um, the appeal to Jacob, come and walk in the way. And and it's repeated again and again through Kings and Chronicles. King Josiah walked in the ways of his father David, not turning to the right or the left. Exactly the um, advice that was given in Deuteronomy. Um, That's in 2 Chronicles 34. King Zimri died because of the sins he'd committed doing evil in the eyes of the Lord and walking in the ways of Jeroboam. Same word. So it's about the, the, the very practical things that we do. The, the, the way is not about what I'm thinking up here. It's about my life. And we could look at Isaiah um, or Micah 6, which we all know so well, but is summing up this whole idea of um, halakha. He has showed you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy? And to walk humbly with your God. And all these signposts that Simon's put up, you can't walk with God unless you're walking along the same path, the same way. Time after time. We, we could almost have spoken, couldn't we? <laughs> Uh, Time after time, God presents us a choice. Our way or his way. Okay, so you've got that concept in your mind. I now want to go back a little and step through a little bit of history. So, you probably... It's a bit small, isn't it? I'm sorry about that. This is smart art for you. Um, As it's called. Behave, Simon. So, we started off, um, or, or, or the, the journey I'm about to take off starts off with the Pentateuch, or uh, what the Jews call the written Torah. And, uh, and then there is a, a sort of larger um, collection of things, which is called the Torah, which includes both the written Torah and the spoken Torah, so the things that they have. Um, and then the Mishnah, 
which are the teachings of the uh, uh, of the rabbis, the, and and then the Talmud, which is the kind of written down bits of, of those. But around all of that comes halakha, and fortunately, I have a definition. Um, so those. So let me let me just ask you a couple of things first before I come to the definition. Yeah. So. We have some very wrong ideas about halakha in the Jewish sense, I think. And this is one of them. Trains are not water bottles. I have heard, uh, probably said from here, certainly said from other platforms, uh, you know, in, in sort of having a go at Jewish traditions, that everything that the, the Jewish surrounding of the law does is to try to diminish it and to try to find ways out. And a really good example that people have, have often said to me is this. Right, okay. On a Sabbath, you can only go uh, a 1,000 yards, I think it is, a 1,000 paces or something. That's, that's, the, that's a Sabbath day's journey. However, if you're on a ship... You can't stop the ship. So if you're on a ship on the Sabbath, you may go further than a Sabbath journey. So the rabbi said, that's okay. We don't want you to think that you've sinned because you were on a luxury cruise liner for, for a fortnight and there happened to be a Saturday in the middle. And during that time it went 100 miles. That's okay because it's not under your control. You're not doing any work and that's all right. So I've heard people say, well... Some smart aleck came up with the idea that if you're on a train, that if you actually sat on a hot water bottle, that would be the same as being on a ship, and therefore that would be okay. So you could go on a train as long as you were on water. Because that, uh, I have tried really hard to find anywhere in any Jewish writings where that is said, and I cannot find it. I think it's another urban myth. I don't think that they actually do say that. Now, they do have some very strange interpretations of the law. And the reason why they have those is because they want people to... They, they don't want people to break the law. So, um, if you are staying in a hotel, and this I have seen written down, and you have an electronic key card, you can't use it on the Sabbath. You can't use it on the Sabbath because you can't use electricity on the Sabbath. You can't use electricity on the Sabbath because uh, when you flick a light switch on, it may make a spark that you can't see. And making a spark is the same as lighting a fire, and lighting a fire is specifically forbidden in the written Torah. It's one of the things you can't do. And you may remember that the man who was gathering sticks on the, on the, on the Sabbath uh, in Moses' time was roundly condemned for having done that. So the purpose of all these rules that the Jews put was to try to help people understand what they were doing. Here's another example. You can't drive a car on the Sabbath. And you can't drive a car for a whole variety of reasons. The engine sparks. It's fire. You're doing work. You're driving. Right. And, and so then the, the question goes on, well, 
if I can't drive, um, can I have a chauffeur who's a Gentile? Is that okay? To which um, subclause something in another rule says, no, you shouldn't be getting a Gentile to do stuff that you uh, can't do yourself because that's just getting round the law. So are there circumstances under which I can drive a car on the Sabbath? Yes, there are. If somebody has got, uh, somebody's life is threatened, I can drive them to hospital. Now that's sensible, isn't it? This is where it now gets a bit silly. I can drive them to hospital, and if it was a life-threatening illness, I can drive home. And amongst life-threatening things is labour. Because a woman could easily die, you're allowed to drive your wife to the hospital. But, if it's false labour, right, so it wasn't really life-threatening, you have to leave your car there and come home on foot. Right? Why have they got all those rules? Because they don't want to get things wrong. So this is what halakha is in in Jewish terms. That which is directly or indirectly derived from the Pentateuch. That which traces its origins to Moses or the remote past. Bit woolly that one. That which originated between the Pentateuch and the close of the Hebrew Scriptures, in in other words, anything from the rest of Scripture or from rabbinic tradition Uh, before the close of the scriptures. That which was introduced post-biblically, so that's anything to that, and that which has no authority or text but simply long usage. So if you've been doing, if if it's a tradition, if you've always been doing that tradition, you can do it. However, Around that is also wrapped the idea that having said there are all these specific rules, you also shouldn't do anything that makes somebody think that you might be breaking one of the rules. And, and here the, 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 the example, and my kids scoffed at me over this, but there we are. Um, Jews are not allowed to use the London Underground on the Sabbath. Driven by electricity, etc. Uh, and the other, but also, you're not allowed um, to handle money on the Sabbath. So even if you've got a season ticket that you're swiping through, that's considered handling money. And there's some debate about whether when you tap it on the thing and it opens the gates, whether that's using electricity as well. On New Year's Eve, between about 11 o'clock in the evening and about 5 o'clock in the morning, the underground is free. So you're not uh, paying to use it. All of the turnstiles are open and anybody can use the underground for free. Some people are looking surprised. and You see, you've never been in London for, for, for New Year. Is a Jew therefore allowed to use it under those circumstances? And the argument that then kicks in is, well, no, because if somebody saw you in traditional, uh, assuming that that was the Sabbath as well, uh, if somebody saw you in your traditional garb with your kipper on uh, and so on, uh, they might think that you were breaking the Sabbath and therefore, even if you aren't, you shouldn't. 
Okay, bye. Now, after the exile, the thinking went like this. God punished us because we didn't keep his laws. We mustn't let it happen again. And so there were great movements to study and understand the law to make sure that the things that they'd done wrong before, they didn't do again. And we ended up with two lots of people. The Pharisees, who accepted the oral Torah, all these you know, discussions up until that date that had, that had built around the wall. And the Sadducees, who didn't, who said, no, 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 we're, we're not taking any of that. We're going to just work on what Scripture says. And so, um, there was a real debate and a division in society at the time of, uh, of Jesus about actually how you did what God wanted you to do. Now, we know that at times he roundly condemned the Pharisees because of the way in which they'd taken those of the laws and the traditions and twisted those to their own good good so for example like Corbin the the law of Corbin where um, people were saying I've given my money to the temple I've pledged my money to the temple therefore I can't help my mother and father out who are who are in trouble because it's God's money and I can't do that I don't believe that the people who set those traditions up did it for that reason. Everything that you see about the way in which these auditions, they they were seeking after truth and they were trying to find ways in which to do it. The fact that some individuals would take that and twist that to their own ends is a different thing, I think. And, and I think that we've done, um, uh, you know, we as a community, we as Gentiles, have done the Jews a disservice in the way in which We've, we've taken those things. So, that's the background against which Jesus says, follow me. Follow me was like the thing of the kings who were leading the people. Follow me was along the way, along God's way. And he said, don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. Because in Jesus, we can see how all those laws and rules and and so on should be done. If you've got a question about what should I do, how should I do it, that's where we go. And I think in John 14, you can say I'm rushing slightly because of the the time here. I, I think there are two questions being asked. And sometimes... Um, Often, the disciples ask Jesus more than one question, thinking that they're asking about the same, you know, when will, the, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus' answer shows that actually those are two different questions. And in chapter 14, um, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Two different questions Jesus was going to his father he told them that he couldn't they couldn't follow him where he was going he was going to prepare a place and he was going to come back so when we when they say so 
Okay, they didn't know where he was going. And to then say, so how can we know the way, was confusing where he was going and what he was saying uh, about the way. Because he said, he doesn't, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So he's going to the Father and the way to the Father is through him. But they're not following him on the same physical journey. If you really knew me, you'd know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. And um, he's already given them the answer to, to what that means. It's a very unfortunate chapter break between chapter 13 and chapter 14. You know, they're not there in the original and you've got to break it up somehow, I suppose. Because Jesus has said, now the Son of Man's glorified, God's glorified in him. If God's glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and glorify him at once. Um, My children, I'll only be with you a little longer. You look for me and just I've told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. So it's no good asking the way to where he's going. Where I'm going, where you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And, you know, the questioning then about where he's going, how they're going to get there, starts immediately after that. But he's told them what, what the way is. So... No one comes to the Father except through me. So the rabbinic way, the basis was the law expanded to cover all circumstances. Jesus, the basis is his life lived as an example of how to serve God. Um, The rabbinic tradition gave firm guidelines with little room for exceptions. Jesus' format was words and deeds to demonstrate and the rabbinic tradition was based on 613 commandments in the Torah 248 positive and 365 negative commandments so the 248 are you will do this, you will and the 365 are you will not do this Uh, whereas there are two overriding rules that are the guidance of the way love God and love each other. If you are doing one of those, then you are following Jesus' way. You are doing what he did. If you're not doing one of those, if you're making fun of somebody, or you are um, being unkind or angry, you aren't. And sometimes we make it really complicated. Liz will always tell me, if I sit down after, well, what am I supposed to do about it? You've given me some great theory, or whatever it might be. What am I supposed to do? That's what you're supposed to do. If you're in any doubt about, about what that is, how are you supposed to love God? 
with every fabric of your being. Heart, mind, soul, strength. And how are you supposed to love your everybody else? At least as well as you love yourself. And that leads to self-sacrifice. It means that occasionally you have to go some way that isn't the way that you would naturally want to go. Because you love them. And is it rule free? Well, actually, I think one of the things that we've done is we've thrown away a lot lot, lot of rules. You know, um, Ruth's of a generation where you weren't allowed to go dancing or go to the cinema or, you know, because they were evil things to do. Um, Now, you know, it may have depended which ecclesia you were at, I I, I don't know. And we've kind of gone, well, you know, it it doesn't... And somewhere maybe the pendulum has swung too far because if what we want to do is to actually do what Jesus did, then maybe sometimes we need to think through what that means in terms of our actions and, uh, and to think about things on which we're a lot freer or on... Uh, alcohol consumption or on uh, our interactions with each other uh, and whatever because do they fit in with being in the in the way and every single time we need to bring it back to Jesus and looking at him because that's what shows us what to do you've heard it said he had you've heard it said they said to you do this do this do this I say be like me